I am Chris Cuomo, and we do have breaking news. And I'll tell you, this is a very bad situation that the president is creating right now. And I think he's doing it to look good, uh, but it's about the rest of us. And here's the news, okay? It took almost to the end of this tantrum of a presidency, but we now have a moment for this president, an ultimate moment of put up or shut up about being a champion for the American people, okay? The president has just put out a video statement saying he may not sign the relief bill. There are two big wants that he has, but the one that matters most is that he says he wants the checks to you to be made bigger. Now, this is something you can't just say. It is not about talking the talk because every moment you delay, people suffer. You must walk the walk. The Democrats, as you know, always wanted more money in the checks. It is his party and frankly, Trump's own staff that bargained down the eventual amount. Nancy Pelosi, Speaker of the House, Democrat obviously, seized on this truth and issued the challenge that will define the final days of Trump's presidency in terms of what he does for you. Here's her statement, a tweet. Republicans repeatedly refused to say what amount the president wanted for direct checks. At last, the president has agreed to $2,000. Democrats are ready to bring this to the floor this week by unanimous consent. Let's do it. Mr. President, are you ready to walk the walk for the American people? This is a thing that they need more than anything else at a time that they need it more than any other time. It would be a damnable thing to, de to delay relief the way you are right now by not signing and force millions of Americans to suffer, to starve all through the holidays and into the new year if you don't deliver. And this would be a simple task. Get the Retrumplicans in line. They must do as you say. And ordinarily, I wouldn't argue that. I'd say, sure, you're the president, but the party's got its... But that's not the way it works with you, and you know it. You've gotten them to swallow so much worse. This will do good for people. You've gotten them to be silent, or even more importantly, complicit about your election canard. And even you know that's what it is. Even you are surprised at how gullible they have been. It's part of your frustration. I hear what you're saying. I hear that you're saying, I don't get it. They'll say whatever I want them to say. How come I can't do anything here? Well, I can't help you on the election because that's about the Constitution and the law. But this is about you and your will. Get your party to face the truth about the need in this country. They have no problem swallowing lies. Get them to own the truth. This is your moment. This is what will be the ultimate capstone. Are you a deal maker or just a con? Here's the president's position. If certain items that he thinks are part of the relief bill but aren't, there's an omnibus spending bill that was attached, right? I don't like it either. I think they should have been just relief and they should have gotten it done a long time ago. But again, you got to expect better and demand more from Congress if you want this kind of culture to change. In the attached spending bill, there's certain items that he sees as wasteful. Interestingly, and for me, 
really foreboding of a bad outcome here. He wants the three martini lunch extended even longer. So is he really about wasteful things when that's about as wasteful as anything in the bill, except for that wall spending they put in in the middle of a pandemic? Now, here's the thing. Why should we question whether or not he's going to do anything rather than just talk? Months of inaction. All that negotiating was going on. He wanted no part of it. He either watched passively, as Pelosi said, and all reporting points in the same direction. The Republicans wouldn't even say what the president wanted. They didn't even want him to have any role in this. He sat passively or completely ignored it. Now he's saying checks should be 2,000, not 600. Everything points to this being something where he gets to look good as others will truly suffer. People absolutely could use more money. And it was on him to fight for that. But when the fight was happening, not after it has been decided, this is not swooping in at the last minute. This isn't picking up the ball on the one yard line. This is a delay of game. He has been told that this delay and any help that was going to come may not come for anybody by Christmas or New Year. And it could scuttle any chance of a deal anytime soon. Americans were supposed to start getting checks next week. You know, I'm trying to find new ways to tell you this all the time. I've never seen hunger in this country the way it is right now. I'm 50 years old. We haven't seen it since the Depression. It's one in six or seven of all of us in the richest country in the world. But depending on where you live, you got one in four, one in three children not getting adequate nutrition. And I'm not saying the type of food. I'm saying the amount of food. It is desperate out there. People are desperate for this money. And he is holding it hostage three days before Christmas. Let history remember, in the final days of Trump's presidency, he messed with good people. And if he doesn't deliver, that must be his legacy. Because I'll tell you what he did do. He took care of bad people. This pardon blitz is the worst we've seen. It's a new low. You can support Trump, but don't you dare ever call him a law and order president again. 20 pardons and commutations tonight for political allies and others, including two convicted in the Russia probe, three corrupt, disgraced GOP congressmen. Papadopoulos, remember him? He's just a liar. The former Trump campaign staffer lied to the FBI about his Russia contacts. Remember Alex von der Zwan, who was deported after pleading guilty to lying to investigators about his interactions with a person with ties to Russian intel? Former GOP Congressman Duncan Hunter. Look at this. I mean, this is the kind of stuff. You talk about draining the swamp, say hello to the alligators. Duncan Hunter was sentenced to 11 months for stealing campaign funds. He gets a pre-Christmas pardon. Former GOP Rep Chris Collins, sentenced to 26 months for insider trading, lying to investigators, and he was doing that trading while in Congress. He gets one, too. Why? They were some of his earliest backers. That's not law and order, and you know it. Trump commuted the sentence of former Republican Congressman Steve Stockman of Texas. He was about two years into a 10-year hitch, conspiring to take hundreds of thousands in donations meant for charity and voter education. Also pardoned, four Blackwater guards involved in a deadly shooting of Iraqi civilians. 
What does this mean? Now, look, the pardons, that's about what Trump is about in terms of character or lack thereof. If you're good to him, nothing else matters. He's not about law and order. Know that. He just proved it to you. But we have the perfect guest to speak to what's happening with this relief bill and what those pardons may portend. What could come next? The chair of the House Intelligence Committee who led the Trump impeachment effort, Congressman Adam Schiff. It's good to have you back uh, in a short window. Thank you for responding to the need of the news tonight. You bet. Good to be with you again. Now, what do you think about this? Do you believe that this is just an ugly bluff or do you believe this is a moment where Trump can say to these guys, I want to go out looking good, change the amount? Uh, Chris, it's really hard to tell. You know, I think we're seeing a, a real dissent uh, in the president's, uh, you know, abilities, capability, attention, focus, conduct. Uh, and, and it's going to probably get worse over the next 30 days. Um, but the reality is, if the president didn't like the amount that uh, the Republicans in Congress were willing to go along with, he should have said something. Uh, he's been completely missing in action. Uh, and this has been true not just since the election, although it, it certainly was heightened after the election, but for months now, as we have tried to get a relief package going, he's been completely disengaged. Uh, why wait until the House passes a bill and then the Senate passes a bill to say, oh, suddenly I'd like the checks to be bigger? Now, it is true, Chris, the only thing he's ever cared about in the relief package are the checks that have his name on them. But nonetheless, if, if he wanted to make them bigger, he could have weighed in and he didn't. So I don't know what this last minute gambit is all about. But look, if he's serious, uh, if he's going to put pressure on McConnell uh, and Senate Republicans to go along with him, I'm all for it. The speaker, as you pointed out, said we can take up a bill mm -hmm. uh, ASAP by unanimous consent to increase the amount of these checks. So we're willing uh, if he can get the Republicans on board. Now, I mean, hopefully you can't even see I'm biting my lip here because I this is so I know we use this word and we abuse it in the media and we shouldn't. But this is dangerous for these families out there. I know you know. I know you're a responsive congressman. The need is very great in your state. I mean, the outpouring of people from around this country who tell me they are starving and need this money and they needed it months and months ago. My concern is this. Let's say it is a bluff. And he goes to them and says, give me more money. And they say, no, beat it. Um, now what happens if you have to if he says, fine, I'm going to veto it because he's all about, you know, um, taking it too far and doubling down. Do you have the votes to override a veto in this bizarro world of retrumplican politics where the same guys who don't want to give him more money for the checks may not vote against him to override the veto because they fear him so the people don't get the checks and we don't get a bill signed into law? Uh, you know, Chris, you're absolutely right. Uh, we, we don't know. Uh, first of all, you're absolutely right about the need out there. Uh, in my district, uh, where the there are no rooms in ICUs, uh, where businesses have had to shut down, uh, where there are long lines for food, people need the help. And that is true all over the country. They just can't wait anymore. Uh, and so this has a real direct impact on them, their livelihood. Uh, you know, certainly it's a even more bitter blow during the holidays, but it's it's a matter of food on the table and a roof over their heads. Um, but but here we are. Um, you know, we, we passed the bill in the House. We passed the bill in the Senate. Suddenly the president weighs in. Is he serious about vetoing it? And if he does, will the Republicans who voted to pass it suddenly change course? They're capable of that, Chris. 
Uh, I mean, look, these are the same Republicans who said, we're not going to impeach him, even though essentially we find him guilty, because we think the voters should decide. And once the voters decided, they said, well, we don't like what the voters decided, so we're going to join a lawsuit to overturn the election. They have shown no, uh, no floor below which they will not go to appease this president. Well, I mean, that, that that should, that, that's what I just argued. I just argued that, that this should be easy for him. If, you know, if you get men and women supposedly of goodwill uh, to either be silent or even worse, complicit in what they know is a fraud about questioning the election, giving people more money that's not even their money, it's the taxpayer's money, should be easy for him. But when do you think, I just have one more question about this. Uh, we're hearing from um, our congressional reporter, Phil Mattingly, that you guys are thinking of putting this on the floor Thursday. But won't you know tonight, tomorrow morning, tomorrow afternoon, if the Republicans are going to go anywhere near it? Well, Chris, I have to think that the Republicans are not going to go anywhere near this. Um, but, but we're willing to try. Um, you know, I'm willing to go back to the House floor, do whatever I can, whatever time, hours it takes to get it done. Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure that some Republicans will object to unanimous consent, so we'd all have to come back and vote on it. But I'm all for it. If we can get more money to the American people, we should all come back and vote on it. But uh, I, I have little confidence that uh, this lame duck president uh, is going to get that kind of a bill through the Senate. And maybe he doesn't even care. Because maybe, as you point out, this is just about him posturing in a way that he thinks will, will help him down the road. But, uh, the suffering of the American people has never been all that much uh, an issue for him. It's always only about what's in it for Donald Trump. Now, I mean, look, the good news is you guys probably had to come back uh, to vote on that NDAA anyway, uh, another piece of legislation that he's supposed to veto or expected to. Um, but, you know, I, I hate to even say this and exacerbate an obvious problem in this country, but these are his people who are hungry in this country. These are Trump voters. Uh, th these are, you know, look, it should be that we're all his people, right? He's supposed to be the president of everybody, but these are his people. So we'll see what happens. Uh, I'm really worried about the delay here, really derailing this situation. Then you wind up going away for the new year and you come back and people don't have the checks. And who knows what happens uh, leading up to the inauguration and stalling this even further. I mean, every day counts. And then we have the pardons that come out. Um, I am not as shocked as some people are by this pardon list. I expected him to take care of his friends. Uh, that's what he does. What is your biggest concern on the list? Well, I, you know, I, I think uh, it's really difficult to point out what's the most egregious on this. But, but look at the categories. Republican corrupt public officials who endorse Trump, they get a pardon. Um, people who kill innocent civilians uh, in a theater of war, they get a pardon. They're, they're heroes on Fox, I guess, they get a pardon. Um, people who lied to cover up for themselves or for the president, they get a pardon. Uh, you know, it's just another body blow against the rule of law in this country. Uh, when you think about the damage that the military pardons are going to do to military justice, uh, to our relations uh, with Iraq, uh, when you think about the damage uh, it's going to do to, you know, public integrity to consider, well, you know, people who insider trade or people who defraud, uh, you know, supporters, if they're elected officials of the same party as the president, well, then the law doesn't apply to them. Uh, it's just a, a, a terrible injury, again, another injury to our democracy by this corrupt president. 
but look, it's it's like the old adage of garbage in, garbage out. You elect a corrupt president, you get a corrupt result. Um, yeah, so much for draining the swamp. But here's my concern, uh, and tell me if I'm off base on this, that this is a nice signal to people that, listen, do whatever you can for me between now and January 6th or maybe even after that. It doesn't matter. I don't care if they come after you. They can't do anything to you that I can undo. Do anything you can to keep me in power. I mean, doesn't this send that signal as clear as anything? It does. And, you know, frankly, that's been his message all along, uh, which is if you lie for me, if you come up for me, if you're loyal to me, I will abuse my power to protect you. Uh, On the other hand, if you cooperate with authorities and you expose corruption, then I will come after you. Uh, If you stand up to me, I will come after you. Uh, When he praises Paul Manafort, another multi-convicted felon uh, supporter of his, his former campaign manager, giving private polling data to Russian, someone linked to Russian intelligence, um, when he does stuff like that and he praises someone like Manafort because Manafort wouldn't cooperate against him, but he condemns others like Michael Cohen, who did cooperate, calls them a rat, Uh, He's acting like an organized crime figure, except this organized crime figure is the president of the United States with the power to give people a get out of jail free card. Mm. Congressman, again, thank you. Um, We just had you on the show. You're always welcome. It really mattered tonight. Thank you for coming through, sir. Appreciate you. Thanks, Chris. I mean, look, this is a big deal. Uh, This is heavy anti-Santa territory. Look, everybody wants more money in their checks. I know the desperation out there. All of us should know it. But if he's just puffing up his chest and saying, hey, look, you know, I went big, you know, the system here, that's unforgivable because every day is a life being off course in this country. And look, when it comes to the pardons, I mean, who's surprised? This president isn't about loyalty. He doesn't go both ways. It's fealty. You put me first. I'll take care of you. Doesn't matter the felony. Duncan Hunter, Chris Collins. This wasn't about Mueller. This guy's broke the law. And he just forgives it. Why? Because he can. He's got four weeks left. What else is he telling people right now? Do this for me, do that for me. What? He can get them out of anything. What does this suggest about what could come next? Preet Bharara, Andrew McCabe, next. Two big stories on our watch. What's going to happen with the relief bill now? I just got some new reporting on that. We'll take it up. Okay, that's still developing. Uh, What we did see are these pardons. And the concern is not just, you know, surprise. Trump's not about law and order. He'll reward felons if they pay fealty to him. But what could it suggest about what else he can do? What does it show about where his head is? I have two great heads on this. Preet Bharara and Andrew McCabe. Gentlemen, thank you. There is no need to discuss Uh, Does he have the right? The answer is yes, unless you were to somehow show that this was self-dealing and who knows that that's going to happen. But the question becomes what they say about what he might do. Andrew uh, McCabe, what is the suggestion for you on that, especially looking at not just the Mueller folks, but guys with unrealistic Stockman, Collins, Hunter, they had nothing to do with Mueller. They're just crooks. 
You're absolutely right, Chris. And, you know, this, I, this breaks down on kind of interesting lines. First, the Mueller, uh, the Mueller defendants. I mean, look, none of that is surprising to anybody, right? And the simple fact is he can continue to pardon everybody who is convicted in the Mueller probe, everyone who is interviewed in the Mueller probe, if he likes. None of that will ever erase the fact that Donald Trump is the only American president in history to have been elected He's even messing with the signal. Is Preet Bharara still there? I'm, I'm here. I believe so. Good. Um, take up the point for me about what these pardons signal to you. Look, you know, you make an interesting point. Are there people out there who are still hoping for a pardon, who have enough power or influence or position to do something that's favorable to the president? I don't think there's that many people in that category. I do think what he's doing is, among other things, laying the groundwork for additional pardons, that are going to be even, you know, I think more controversial. So these are controversial. Everyone's talking about them. I think many of them are disgraceful, especially the ones you keep mentioning, uh, the, the two congressmen uh, who were convicted by the Justice Department under Donald Trump, under his own attorney general, Jeff Sessions, for engaging in clear misconduct and lining their own pockets. Um, but there's going to be a next wave of pardons that might extend to people even closer to him, maybe even family members, and ultimately, Maybe evil, maybe even himself. And so he, he does have a peculiar way of defining deviance down, as the phrase goes, by sort of inuring us to, us to his doing these things. And we, we yell about it and we say he has the authority to do it and we criticize it. But then he can do it again and again and again. And I think an even more disgraceful way going forward. Right. And he always benefits from a culture of low expectations. Pre, you know, people like, ah, they all pardon their friends. Remember this guy? Remember that guy? And it just creates a culture of accommodation. But there is an interesting aspect to this. What we would not have seen before was pardon as prophylaxis pardoning his own kids. Now, people think, well, doesn't there have to be an investigation? One, there's not a lot on this. Um, but no, Preet, my understanding is you could, you know, if you were president, you could say, hey, Cuomo, you're going to get in trouble with your mouth at some point. I pardon you now. I mean, couldn't he just do that? Well, so there are two limitations on the, on the pardon power that we've been discussing, which otherwise is very, very broad and unfettered. One is he cannot pardon criminal conduct that occurs uh, in, in, at the state level that can be chargeable by right. the state, by a district attorney, by a, a state attorney general. And he also can't pardon conduct that hasn't yet occurred. You can pardon conduct that has occurred in the past, but has not yet been charged. That's what happened with, right. with President Ford and Richard Nixon. The conduct had already occurred. No charges have been brought. You can do that. But so what he has, if he were to so say anything that Jared Kushner has said or done while he's been here with me from this date until this date, Anything to do with any of that, he's a pardon because I'll tell you why they're bad people who will go after him for bad reason and I'm going to protect him from it. That's ultimately going to be his speech. That's his narrative. That's why I think he's going to do it with respect to a lot of people, including himself. What you've described is is essentially what President Ford did for Richard Nixon, Mm -hmm. you know, that he was pardoned uh, for all conduct during his presidency, you know, crimes against the United States of America based on conduct during his presidency. And I guess you could do something like that for Jared Cohen and others. Yeah, there's nothing preventing him from doing that. Cohen, he's not doing anything for Cohen, because you know, that's going to be on state <laughs> level anyway. Andrew McCabe is back now. Let's loop him in. Uh, Preet and I are discussing uh, the idea of pardon as prophylaxis for his own uh, and saying that anything that Jared Kushner has said or done, you know, just to use him as an example, could be Ivanka, could be any of his kids. 
anything that they have said or done from this period to this period, obviously that encompassing his presidency, Andrew, they, uh, they can't be charged with anything on the federal level. He could do that. I think he absolutely could. I mean, it is, you know, Ford is obviously the example. There's some degree of specificity that has to be included in the pardon. But I think that by um, attaching that to the time period of his presidency probably satisfies that requirement. Um, So he absolutely, I believe, could issue those sorts of pardons to his friends and family members, parts members of the administration. Before tonight, 88 percent of Trump's commutations aided someone with a personal tie to the president or furthered his political aims. Um, Preet, how does that number stick out to you in reconciling uh, administrations past? Look, I haven't done a deep dive going back generations and there have been bad pardons before. We always have to say this with Donald Trump, right? Mm -hmm. Um, There have been other presidents who have made misstatements. There have been other presidents who have abused their power. There have been other presidents who have abused their pardon power. Trump takes all of these things on every occasion to the next level in size, in scope, and in disgrace. Bill Clinton had, bad, had, had a couple of bad pardons, true. He was investigated for one of them, the Mark Rich pardon, by my former office, the Southern District of New York. So there was a consequence even after he left office, although no charges were ultimately brought. So he does it, you know, you know a, a cut above. Uh, he's, he's special in that regard. I mean, look what he could do. Uh, One of the things that's very curious that's going on right now is this fund that he's using for contributions. Uh, And I get the emails all the time. I don't know about you guys, but I'm one of the anointed. Uh, I'm one of his key donors, uh, apparently. And uh, that money, he could say, by the way, anything to do with us raising this money and where the money goes or how we use it, uh, I pardon all of the people involved in running the charity. That would create a real problem for the DOJ, wouldn't it, Andrew? It would, although I'll tell you, Chris, I don't know if it's even necessary. I mean, the fact is this uh, leadership pack, which is what he's created now to kind of fund his activities after he leaves the White House, there's almost no restrictions on right. how that money spent, uh, who can donate to it. So it's it's a black box of uh of campaign finance law right now. And so it's, he's really profited incredibly based on these insane conspiracy theories about voter fraud over the last couple of weeks and remains to be seen how he's going to spend that money. Gentlemen, uh, thank you very much. Look, I do believe that the, the big cautionary sign in this is if he's okay with this kind of stuff, what might people do between now and when Biden is inaugurated that he could forgive them for and let them know that? That's the kind of concern you have to have because these are the kinds of things this man is capable of. He just showed you. Preet Bharara, Andrew McCabe, God bless and be well and thank Thanks, you. Thanks, Chris. All right. Thanks, All right. Chris. So look, that's the law and the kind of political conflation there combining with it in terms of outcome. Um, there's no question that Trump is OK burning things down in the name of his own aggrandizement, sparing felons who once took an oath to serve the country. What does he care? It's about the oath to him. But what's happening with relief now, his threat to veto creates several paths of potential chaos for American people. 36 hours before Christmas Eve, I've got Anthony Scaramucci, who understands and is talking to people around this president, and Michael Smirconish, who just has a knack for understanding what makes sense in a situation like this. What? Let's look at the different ways this can go and what they can mean for all of us. Next.
All right. So what has Trump done by threatening to veto this bill? Uh, from our reporting and me working phones and text during the show and in commercial, I can't see it as anything good right now except for himself, this kind of illusion that he wanted to do better for you. Um, the the uh, Republicans are split in two ways because there are three avenues, okay? The one is that the Democrats bring this up as unanimous consent vote, you know, which means we're just going to go to the floor uh, and vote on it right now. Uh, that doesn't seem like it's going to pass muster, that enough Republicans will say, no, we don't want to do it this way, that you'll have to have everybody come back. They were going to come back anyway, because there's another piece of legislation that the president is going to veto. But it's about the time that this takes with people not getting help. So if you look at the numbers, 359 to 53 in the House, 92 to 6 in the Senate, 359 to 53 in the House, 92 to 6 in the Senate. What does that tell you? Veto proof. Okay, pocket veto, but veto proof. So what does that mean? Well, the Republicans are saying, uh, Manu Raju uh, says with his reporting, the leaders don't want to renegotiate. So they're basically saying, go, ho- go ahead and veto it. Now, how does that look? That looks bad for Trump because then his own party uh, has some clearance to say, you see, we weren't always Trump's minions. And he is not going to like that look right at the end. But then you have the Retrumplicans who may be afraid to go along with this bill because he's against it. But what are the, what's hurting that effort, which would be the best case scenario, right, in terms of getting more money for people? They don't really believe that he is serious about it. So the, the delay can go all the way to January 3rd. That's the backstop. What happens January 3rd? The new Congress is sworn in. So what does that mean? That means you have to start again from scratch. Now, that to me is the worst case scenario here, because Trump could perceive that as him being tough. Right. And the congressional leaders, not the Democrats, uh, this is terrible for them, but for the Republicans, they could say, well, we held our ground even against Trump. And what happens to all the people who are hungry? It all starts again, this bill. So the best case scenario right now is for Trump to be dismissed as what he is, a con, and that this is just another con. Go ahead and veto it, but do it now. And that they may come out and say something like that, either sign it now or veto it now, because we're going to override you or you're going to pass this. Either way, we're going to get what we want and you're going to hurt people with delay. Now, let's bring in Anthony Scaramucci and Michael Smirconish uh, to discuss. Um, Mooch, does that square, Anthony, with what you're hearing from around him on what the play is? I mean, it's an obvious chest thump, right? I want more money for you. I'm the good guy. But he never fought this fight when they were fighting it. So what's the play? Well, it does square. And he had lunch with one of our mutual friends today who is trying to caution him on what he's doing right now. Hopefully he's listening. But listen, I was with him in July of 2017 on Air Force One. He wanted to veto the Russian sanctions bill. And I I begged him not to do that. I said, listen, what's going to happen is they're going to override it. They're going to totally emasculate your presidency. And so he doesn't care about that stuff now because he's got 28, 29 days to go. Uh, But when he realizes that they're going to emasculate him by overriding his veto, he's going to sign the legislation. That's my prediction, because he doesn't want that level of humiliation with the 28 days, 29 days to go. Smirconish is shaking his head no. How do you see it? I don't agree with either of you. I think you're underestimating the president. I don't think the perception of him being the Grinch who stole Christmas is accurate. I think that this is arguably, politically speaking, 
the most effective thing that he has done since losing the election. The American people aren't going to understand the difference between the COVID relief bill and the omnibus spending bill. They are going to think William Proxmire. You remember, Chris, you remember yeah. the Golden Fleece Awards? When they hear things like counting amberjack fish, which is what he said in that video at a time when Americans are getting $600, the $600 is going to sound like chump change. And it is, it is him, frankly, laying back on those arguments that first put him in office, mm -hmm. that he's the champion of the working person and he wants two grand in everybody's pocket. I, agree. I think it's very effective for him. I agree for him. I'm saying I don't think he can get it done. And there is a cost to the dilatory nature of this smirk every day that is delayed because we're seeing whether or not, uh, you know, he is going to be Robin Hood or not. People are starving in this country and the check's not going to come. They are, Chris, but, but you're looking at the roll call and you're assuming that those, vo those votes in the Senate and the House hold firm. I right. don't know what tomorrow brings. I mm. don't know what the reaction is on AM terrestrial talk radio and on that other cable station and so forth. I'm sure they're thumping their chests in support of the president and that base may shake those votes. That would be awesome. Uh, but then you still get back to this existential question, uh, uh, Anthony, which is where you been? The Democrats have been fighting for 2000 for six months and his own staff had been fighting against it. I don't think he's going to get the clean kill on this and be Robin Hood the way Michael suggests, because the facts are against it. Um, but what do you think the chance is that his party doesn't veto and go Michael's way, which is there's too much pressure. He's the guy. He'll haunt us. We got to give him this. Well, listen, I, I appreciate what Michael is saying, but I think that's Donald Trump 2015 or 2016. It's not Donald Trump 2020. And he's got a lot of things to worry about on January 21st. Uh, he's got a direct signal from Mitch McConnell. Uh, yeah, they've been told in the Senate to knock this stuff off. Trump is just raising money off of this ruse related to the election fraud, all that false nonsense, Chris. And so I just want to frame it as Donald Trump 2020. He's looking at the tea leaves. He's going to get overridden. Mitch McConnell is going to completely embarrass him in the Senate. He doesn't want that. And so he's making noises here, but he'll sign that bill. That is the factor for you to put in there, Michael, into the equation of your thinking, which is uh, who knows what the day brings, who knows what terrestrial radio brings, but how much does Trump want this? That matters also. I think, I think he wants, I think he wants a Donnybrook with Mitch McConnell now, because as you well know, the president is totally focused on January 6th and where McConnell has admonished his caucus and told them to stand in line, don't give Trump the vote that he wants. Everybody needs to stand together. Tuberville, we hope you don't go along with, with the House Republicans who want to challenge the Electoral College. It further suits the president's interests to fight with those Republicans. He thinks he owes them nothing. But if this goes too far, Michael, and you get to January 3rd, people are really in a bad place. Yeah, they are. But I, I'm not convinced that the court of public opinion points a finger at him when they hear from him the laundry list of aid to Cambodia and aid to Egypt, well, don't et cetera, forget, et cetera. Don't forget the billion plus. Why the hell are we getting 600 bucks? Well, don't forget the billion plus for his wall in there and that he wants to extend the lunch uh, thing for rich guys on lunches, uh, you know, to make that a longer term proposition. You know, this is not a guy who's all of a sudden found Jesus in terms of uh, what the purpose of charity is.
I'm only suggesting to you that it's not black and white, that he does not necessarily come out of this, politically speaking, as a loser. Mm. No, yeah, I don't think you're wrong. Uh, I don't think you're wrong uh, because just asking for more money for people looks good. Right. Right. In the backward right. words yeah. world of Republican politics right now, which is they're supposed to be the austerity party, but people are in the middle of a crisis. So why were they playing austerity anyway when they didn't play it with the tax cut? Um, but you know, look, Michael's right about this one thing, Anthony. By the way, Donnie Brook is one of those fancy people words for a brawl. All right. That's what we would have called it's the not knuckle. fancy <laughs> Donnie Brooks fancy. term. That's a big word. The biggest word we use is mayonnaise on this show, by the way. I want you to know. Um, so I appreciate you both. We don't know what the day brings, but this is what we do know. Every day without resolution is a day that people don't get the relief they need. This was brilliantly broken down inside and out. Anthony Scaramucci, thank you. Michael Smirkanish, as always, thank you. If I don't see you both, God bless the families for Christmas. All right, so Merry um, Christmas. how do we do the job in this situation? How do we handle this? You know, all of this is new. We've never seen people do these kinds of things. Norms had been respected. What do we do? One of the deans of the White House Press Corps alumni, Sam Donaldson, my mentor, is here. How does he see what's going on with the pardons and this last-minute appeal for more money? Does Trump look good? Does Trump look bad? Does it matter? What are we supposed to do? He'll answer all of it in 18 seconds. Next. You know, I've started bringing you in more on kind of the philosophy or the strategy of our coverage decisions because, you know, we're doing the job for you. So, you know, we've seen controversial pardons before. They've been criticized as presidents taking care of people who took care of them. But like so many other things, while Trump didn't start this kind of problem, he sure did blow it into a new universe. And now we have, again, something I've never seen before. People play brinkmanship with legislation all the time. Not so much during the middle of a crisis, but here when you already have a deal, now Trump wants to look the hero and say, I want more money for the people, but he never fought for that. Does that make him a good guy or something else? Let's talk to somebody who literally was a mentor to me in terms of how to question power, but also how to frame situations for people to make them more understandable. Sam Donaldson, the best to you and the family for Christmas. You are a gift to me, sir. Well, hello, Chris. You know, what we're seeing now is apocalypse now. Colonel Kurtz up the Bacon River, hiding out, muttering about the horror. Only this time, Donald J. Trump is the horror. And I think he's creating chaos in his last few days on purpose because in his mad way, he thinks that if he could get his base riled up and he'd get other people wanting those $2,000 on the 6th of January, something will happen that make the Congress overturn the will of the people and make him president for another four years. Now, that is madness, but we are dealing with a madman. But that's the point, is how do we explain what's happening here to the American people? So let's unpack both. Pardons. We've seen bad pardons before. Mark, Rich, and Clinton, the line goes on, mm-hmm. and obviously what Ford did with Nixon. Um, this is just more of that. What do you say? Well, all right, he can do whatever he wants to, and he doesn't care about the pardons unless it serves his interests. Now, the uh, people who murdered in Iraq... His base likes that. Fox has made heroes out of them. They're military men. They had the right to do that. They were defending themselves. Uh, Now, the people who were his friends trying to keep that Russia probe from destroying him, when in fact Russia had nothing to do with this 
Well, his base loves that too. So I mean, I think most of the pardons that I've seen about the political friends of his and the people that I just talked about are directed toward the base. He wants the base now for the 6th of January. And if that doesn't work, if he actually has to leave the presidency, oh, horror is there, he wants that base to continue to follow him as far as he wants to go. So the idea of saying, I want more, more money for you, that's good. The conviction to yeah. fight for it to the end, do you think he has that? Because he didn't fight for more money up until this point, And this could get ugly if the relief is delayed because he's holding out. He doesn't care about Americans who, frankly, what has he called Americans in the past? Losers, not just in the military, but the people he doesn't want to associate with them. Remember the times he's saying, well, I don't, this crowd of mine, I don't want to really see them. I don't want to really be with them. That's not his kind of people. His only kind of people is the person he sees in the mirror. That's all he cares about. Now you say, how do we get this across to the American public? We've gotten it across to the public and they turned him out of office and voted him out, even though Republicans down the line did pretty well in this last election. So that got to enough people. And many of them had voted for him in 2016, I'll bet you, that they said, no, we don't, this, we don't want this guy, this is terrible. But his cult followers are still there. And I don't know how to reach them, I'd like to, because you don't know what to do with them or for them. They're Americans. And we should do something for them and see if we can bring them back into the fold of sensible regress here. Well, there are plenty but of people who voted for Trump in the meantime, who are starving. We, in the meantime, we cannot allow them. We cannot allow them to win and support Trump to be another president for four years. Well, look, you know, subordinating the Constitution to his own interests is something that seems highly uh, unlikely, but not great uh, for our culture. That's yeah. for sure. But a lot of his voters are hungry. And I know it sounds good. He wants to get us more money, but he didn't walk the walk on that. He's just saying it now. But I wonder how the politics play in your estimation. He doesn't want a veto override, even though the numbers suggest it. So it's is the power of Trump strong enough over that party to have them go back on their own negotiated deal and do so before January 3rd? That's right. But again, I mean, I, I, he's created chaos. He probably doesn't know how it will play out but he thinks it'll play out to his benefit. But look what he's doing to the senators in, in Georgia. These senators, want to, and Mitch McConnell wants to have them elected. Well, okay, he says, I want $2,000 for everyone. As you point out, if he could have done that earlier and then taken credit, particularly in Georgia, it might've kept them in office. And they mm -hmm. may still be in office. I'm not calling the election. Right. But we come back, Chris, to this point that he is not you. You worry about the Americans who are hungry. He doesn't. He's not hungry. Ivanka's not hungry. The, his, his sons are not hungry. What, 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 do you, what do you expect of him? Mm. I guess uh, exactly what we're getting. Sam Donaldson, thank you for putting in perspective yes. as you do. Like <laughs> I said, uh, your insight has always been a gift to me. This Christmas will be no different. Be well, my friend. And same to, to you and the family. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Well, look, the question becomes, what happens? in the next couple of days. This is not a game. Look, of course it is good to ask for more for the poor, but he didn't. He didn't ask for more for the poor until now. Can he get it done or is this what Sam suggests? Just him wanting to look good to the right people at the right time. What a sin that would be against 
the culture of this country and the need. Quality sleep is essential, and that's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. So you can choose what's right for you whenever you like. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature. Quiets their snores. Sleep Number does that. Sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on Sleep Number limited edition smart beds for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. I'm Dr. Sanjay Gupta, host of the Chasing Life podcast. In honor of our 10th season, we want to hear from you. Leave us a message at 470-396-0832 and tell us how you chase life. It could be used on an upcoming episode.